We're all worried about the Great Recession, at least our culture is. What's causing it? What are we going to do to avoid it? How is this policy or this decision going to affect the economy? What about the debt? What about inflation? How do we get back to where we once were and where we want to be? Uh, Those are questions that seem natural and, and needful in the economic realm, of course, but they're also the type of questions that have a place in our personal faith, at least according to the Apostle Paul. He continues his address to us, in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 15, and he says this. He says, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. We receive biblical commands in this text, which means that we need to take special note of the direction God is giving us. He's being very plain and uh, commanding us as his people to do something. And so if you want a life of spiritual fulfillment, you can find the necessary guidance in this little passage. Paul says, therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind at the beginning. The mind Paul is talking about is what we've been talking about for a number of weeks now. It's the mind that is fixed upon the pursuit of Jesus, Uh, the athlete that is sprinting flat out for the goal, not holding anything back. That's the perspective that we should have day to day here on the earth. That's how we keep pace with the work that God wants to do in us and through us. Paul applies this command in a very specific and a very interesting way. First of all, he includes himself in the group. He says, let us, after uh, giving us this long discussion about you know, the, the mindset of the athlete pursuing after the Lord. Lord, We see again, like we did a week ago, that Paul fully expected that there was more for him personally to receive, more for him to become, more for him to partake in as a Christian. He did not believe in spiritual retirement on this side of eternity. And he didn't want to live in a state of plateau, spiritually speaking. He wanted to press forward in his relationship with Jesus because he knew that he could know God more fully. He could serve God more effectively. And he expected that. He said, yeah, I'm included in this. Let us, me included, do that together. He understood that the fullness of God is not discovered at conversion. But the fullness of God is a continual process that a believer can enjoy throughout their life on the earth. And then Paul says, as many as are mature. So there are two qualifiers there. Us, speaking of himself and the next group, and and he says, as many as are mature. That's who he's commanding, to have this mind. Us and as many as are mature. When Paul says mature there, or perhaps your Bible renders the word as perfect, he's referring to a believer who has stepped up as a disciple, which means they have shunned the world in order to pursue Jesus Christ. Not in part, but in whole. That's the group he's addressing because that is the group that is eligible to receive the spiritual supply and satisfaction that he's been teaching us about for three chapters. So that's who he's talking about. Those who have not separated from the world, those who are not pursuing Christ actively, they are not going to discover the fullness of God. They will instead discover the vexation of Lot. They're going to discover the defeat of Samson. They're going to find the anxiety of Saul and the brokenness of Solomon. That's what those who uh, refuse to mature in their Christian life and and refuse to pursue the Lord discover. But to those who are mature, those who are staying connected to the vine and receiving that growth that God wants, those who have set their focus on heaven and are making pursuit of God, to them, Paul says, have this mind. 
keep this mind. Uh, that, that phrase can also be translated as exercise your mind. And so we are to actively and personally challenge ourselves to move closer to Jesus Christ on a continual basis. Because if we don't do that, we're going to regress into what Paul has warned us about. He's been warning us about either legalism or apathy in these texts. Those are the two pits on either side of our path as we walk with the Lord. One of those pits seeks righteousness based on human effort and works. The other one gives up the first love of Christ and becomes spiritually stagnant and disinterested in heavenly things. We know that God is moving forward. Uh, That's what we see in the scriptures. That's what we know by the Holy Spirit indwelling us. God is a God of, of, of movement. He moves forward in our lives and in his will. He has a progressive plan for your life. He has seasons that he wants to bring about in you and depth he wants to build in you and he has fruit that he wants to cultivate in you. He wants to fill, he wants to stretch, he wants to use you. And he does that as we move closer to him, as we keep pace with him and as we move further from the world. But if we regress into legalism, if we regress into apathy, then all of that stops. All of the things that the Lord wants to do through us as he you know, works on that completion and that perfection, it all comes to... Uh, a halt. That progress is, is halted. And we're left in that sort of spiritual wilderness where we're halfway between Egypt and halfway between the promised land. And we see such a great example of that, obviously, in the children of Israel. God is with us in the wilderness. Yes, he loves us. But if we regress into either of those areas, either of those pitfalls, apathy or legalism, um, then we're just wandering. We're wandering around in our spirituality. And God says, I don't intend for you to stay in the wilderness. I don't intend for you to stay spiritually immature. I intend incredible amounts of filling and sanctification for you. That's what I intend for your life. And we need to get there together. You need to choose to go into the place that I've brought you to. But that doesn't happen if we wander off the disciple road. And this is what Paul is talking about. He says that we are to have the mind of a focused athlete who's running a race To win the race. And so we are to exercise our minds to lock into the person of Jesus Christ so that we can live the life that He really intends for us. I love the next statement that Paul makes. He says, And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Uh, This is is kind of fun because this is a great example of being filled with grace. And something all of us need is more grace. But Paul gives us a really good demonstration here. Paul the Apostle, the incredible scholar, the man of you know, supreme, you know, uh, churchly authority in our minds. You know, he was a man of grace. Uh, and we need grace as well. And we need to treat people graciously. Because there are lots of spiritually immature people out there. And on top of that, there are a lot of instances where you and I personally might second guess the direction that God is giving us in our lives. And so to that, Paul says, hey, look, the Lord is going to straighten you out because that's what the Lord does. And I'm going to let God do that. It's kind of funny what he's saying. He's saying, you know, uh, this is what you need to do in order to have a full, satisfied life. And if you disagree with me, you're wrong. And God, but I'll let God straighten you out. Like, I'm, I'm just going to let you know that God's going to reveal it to you that you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and uh, while it's kind of an interesting uh, and kind of co- comedic thing to think about as we look at the scriptures, this plays out a lot of different ways in our personal hearts, at least for me, I know. You know, well, I need to be economically secure and then I can start diving into my Christian life more fully. Paul says, hey, you're not, you cannot find satisfaction with that mindset, but I'm going to let God reveal that to you. 
Or, hey, I need to get a little more recognition in the ministry and then I'll know God has called me to serve Him at this church or at my church. Paul says, hey, you've taken your eyes off the finish line, but I'm going to let God reveal that to you. Well, I'm pretty happy with my spirituality and I don't really need to move further in my walk with the Lord because everything's good and, you know, everything's fine and I don't need to worry about challenging myself to move closer to the Lord. Paul says, that's not the disciple road, but I'm going to let God reveal that to you. This is Paul showing us how we speak the truth in love. He's not really holding any punches and he's doing one of those things where he says, you know, uh, kind of does that in Philemon as well. He says, by the way, you know, if he owes you, you know, if Anisphorus owes you anything, I'll go ahead and pay that. By the way, just to remind you, you owe me your life because I brought you salvation. So Paul's an interesting guy. He's kind of a sarcastic guy, I think, a little bit in a, in a good way. So he says, you know, hey, if you disagree with the, the truth that I'm giving you, that satisfaction and fullness and the purpose of life is found in the pursuit of God, if you disagree with that, you're completely wrong. You're completely wrong. You can't find satisfaction. You can't find the goal you're looking for otherwise. But I'm going to let God reveal that to you. And so he's showing us how to speak the truth in love. And it also demonstrates to us the fact that God is in the business of working out immaturity in our lives. You know, and so none of us have arrived. We saw that last week. None of us are perfect. And so God looks at us and he says, you know, I'm not going to leave you there. I want to work that stuff out. I, I, I want to... I want to deal with what's going on in your life and deal with the immaturity. And so our part is to accept that and to show grace to others and then allow God to true our hearts and to trim away whatever worldliness or carnality might be lurk lurking around in there. Our text goes on in verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Uh, this verse is a really fun one to look up in different translations because you get a lot of different perspectives on the language and the interpretation depending on which version you're reading. So for our purposes, uh, you have two sections in this verse. The first half is, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, and that's describing who we are right now on our walk with the Lord. And the idea Paul is getting across there is this. He's, he's saying, according to the standard that, you, that God has given us, or uh, according to the growth that we've received by the Spirit of God, to the degree that we've pursued the Lord and then found the fullness that follows, since God uh, is in the business of progress and that progress with God is the key to all that He has for us, then we should do the second half of the verse and we should do it a specific way. And so if this first half is a description of who we are in Christ and how God is working in us, wherever we're at on the disciple road or our walk with the Lord, then the second half of the verse is a description of what we should now do about it. So he says, hey, this is how you got here. This is who you are in, in Christ. And, and now here's what you should do about it. Here's how you should move forward in your life. And he says there in the second half, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Meaning that the pursuit of Jesus has to continue. The drive forward has to continue. You see, Paul was worried about what we might call the great regression. There's a tendency within every one of us to fall by the wayside, either into the pit of legalism or into the pit of apathy. Uh, every one of us has that tendency because we are imperfect human beings. And Paul would say in verse 15 that if you don't believe that, then you're wrong. But he's going to let God reveal that to you. But a, a plain and thing that every Christian can do and should do is to simply stay on the disciple road, to keep moving forward with God. And what that means is shunning the world so as not to be drawn off by the lusts that lead us away from godliness and into apathy. 
And it means staying humble so that we're not drawn away into the pride of legalism. Paul says that we are to have the same mind that he had, that focused athletic type of mind. One commentator put it this way, that Paul's personal aims were to become the goal of the Philippian church as a whole, and therefore to you and I as an extension. We are commanded to take on the Apostle Paul's goals in our life. We're commanded to do it because this is the Christian life. Paul states it in a different way in Galatians 5, 25 and 26. He says, if we live in the Spirit, which we do, then let us also walk in the Spirit. And that's what he's saying. That's such a great summary. He's like, look, here's who you are. You live in the Spirit. The Spirit of of God Almighty, the, the third person of the Trinity, lives within you. And since you live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us actually do it and take the disciple road and follow after Jesus. He says in verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so again, such a good summary of all the things he's been saying in Philippians. He says, you are a spiritual person. God has saved you and he's bringing you out of Egypt into you know, completion. And along the way, we need to walk in the spirit. We need to follow after God. We need to do what he says. And we need to not get drawn off by conceit of legalism or by the envy of worldliness or the apathy of of worldliness. That's the Christian life, being filled with the Spirit and moving forward in that power that we might know more of who God is and what He has done and what He desires to do through us. But too often, we don't walk in the Spirit. That's just what we have to struggle with. We slip into apathy. We slip into legalism. We lose some of the drive to get to that finish line and to win the race. And we find ourselves in the wilderness there. Where God has said, here's where I've called you. Here's what I want for you. Here's what I've prepared for you. I've brought you here. I've made it for you. I've readied it for you. Will you take hold of this? And sometimes we just say, you know, we're really not that into it. We're just not really into it, Lord. We'd like to hang out here. We, we start preferring the garlic and the leeks of Egypt over the milk and honey of Canaan. And the wilderness is never where you want to be as a Christian. It may seem like God is there, and that's because God is always with us. But the growth and the spiritual blessing that the Lord wants for us cannot be found in the wilderness. It can't be found in the wilderness of apathy or the wilderness of legalism. Instead, we need to take hold of the calling God has placed on our lives. And first and foremost, God has called us to follow him. That's the first call. Follow me. And then after that, beyond that, there are relational callings, there are specific callings, there are other things that he's revealed to us in his word and by his spirit. But the road that we're all called to is the disciple road. And so we should walk by the same rule. The word rule there is the same word canon. And so the word of God, that's how we should walk, which empowers us and blesses us by revealing what God has done on our behalf. And then we must be of the same mind, unified in the pursuit of God. Not the pursuit of greatness, not the pursuit of wealth, not power, not prominence. Just Jesus, just pursuing Jesus Christ who's directing our lives. Pursuing his heart, pursuing his glory, pursuing his provision. That's how a Christian avoids the great regression. And more importantly, that's how we then receive the kind of dynamic life and ministry and satisfaction that Paul had and then commanded us to have as well. And so we need to choose to move into the spirit-filled life and choose not to linger in a spiritual wilderness. We need to move past salvation into sanctification each day. Not settling for less as a Christian. Not settling for you know, uh, a static Christian life, but, but moving forward towards the completion that God wants to bring about in our hearts. That's the road that leads to fullness, and it is attainable for any Christian who's willing to leave the world and receive the Lord. So we all have that chance today, so let's make 
good use of that opportunity.